I'm happy to share this week's show sponsor, Cubicle to CEO, is one of my new favorite podcasts. Cubicle to CEO, led by Ellen Yin, is a mentorship-focused media company on a mission to make mentorship accessible to the masses so all women everywhere can pursue what's possible. Love that. In corporate America, Leadership Mentor helped me to quickly develop ways to level up my skill set for an upcoming promotion, so I am a mentorship believer. You know I started a personal brand and began podcasting last year. So I'm sharing this info about Cubicle to CEO with you because I only wish I had known back then about Ellen's weekly show and mentorship programs to guide and encourage me in those early kind of rough days. Her case studies, for example, are both inspirational and actionable. I recently listened to episode 143, which goes into the details of how the fabulous Dr. Tarika Barrett, the CEO of Girls Who Code, recently pivoted during the global pandemic and achieved enrollment increases from 1,600 to 5,000 students. Want to use the best income growth strategies from top entrepreneurs and CEOs, including Ellen herself? You can binge listen to past income reports on Cubicle to CEO today, plus receive free access to your first 10K month masterclass and a bonus workbook by going to our special link, zen.ai slash curious CEO. That's zen, Z-E-N dot A-I slash curious CEO. Welcome to the My Curious Colleague podcast with your host, me, Denise Veneri. We'll be talking all things consumer relations with a focus on consumer product goods organizations and the brand specialist and analyst roles and responsibilities. So if you like CPGs like I like CPGs, marketing, insights, and caring deeply for your consumers, well, take a listen. Hello, my curious colleagues. Today, my guest is my colleague, Maxine Weber, Director of Marketing Nutraceuticals at Ashland. So let's get right into it today. Hello, Max. So happy to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Denise. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Of course. Why don't we get started with you sharing with us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, as you mentioned, I'm currently working at Ashland in the Life Sciences Group in our nutraceutical business unit, um, which I'm doing business to business marketing. I've been at Ashland for almost eight years. And uh, previous to that, I worked for a flavor and fragrance company. And then uh, before that, as you know, I've worked at a couple of CPG companies. So in a variety of roles, marketing, consumer affairs, regulatory affairs, so kind of quite a broad and marketing research, I forgot to mention. So anyway, but quite a broad background. Yeah, which I think has served you very well. Um, So let's let's talk about when we first met. When we first met, you were, you know, deep into the brand management, as you were talking about. We both were working at Campbell's Soup and we got this chance to work together when I was doing a stint in consumer promotions. Um, And then several years later, we got a chance to reconnect um, when we both were working on the the Philly chapter of the board of directors of of our industry group. So just remind me, um, how did you land 
leading both the regulatory affairs and consumer affairs for, um, I believe it was Pinnacle Foods, coming from such a, you know, coming from that deep CPG marketing focus? Well, I think, you know, certainly those are um, two things, two functions that don't seem to really go together. Um, But it was, as most things happen, an organizational change. And, you know, as a result, you know, some jobs got realigned. So they had um, what they thought at the time, kind of like two jobs that they needed someone to manage. And, um, you know, I ended up being the person that did that. Got it. You're you're definitely a utility player. Um, so you were, if I remember correctly, um, you were the the sort of the sole consumer affairs point of contact, and then you had an outsourced outsourced vendor that you worked with, um, and then also, of course, you had your regulatory um, affairs, um, a small team that you led as well. Any of that wrong? That is correct. Yes, we oh. had an outsourced consumer affairs team that had um, a manager, an assistant manager, and I believe uh, six additional representatives. And as you said, on our regulatory affairs team, we had three internal resources. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, just because you know, I'm all about consumer relations. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about that consumer affairs um, experience. Um, Thinking back on that, what what aspect of leading the consumer affairs um, do you feel was transferable and that's something, you know, you could leverage in, in these future positions? Well, I think there were several things. Um, you know, first of all, just really trying to better understand consumers by you know, seeing the impact that your products have on their everyday life. So uh, we were doing food products. People would write into us all the time. Um, I would, on a regular basis, read the emails, listen in on calls. So I really understood what consumers were saying about our products and understanding what they liked and also what they didn't like, what we could do better. Um, And I think, In a lot of cases, uh, typically, if you're in marketing, the main time that you hear from consumers is if you do focus groups and you're in the back room. And that's a lot of that is very hypothetical. So you're either giving someone a concept to react to or you're talking to them about like a prototypical product. In this case, like this is actual product. You see, you know, what someone gets when they, you know, get it from the store. So maybe it didn't do well in transport, or maybe the plant made a boo-boo and like, you know, component was not exactly as it should have been. So you really understand what the consumer truly is receiving and how they've used the product. And like I said, what they like and don't like about it. So that part I think is extremely helpful. And certainly from both a just straight marketing standpoint, as well as innovation. And it's critical to understand the consumer experience. Um, And I would say just from a development standpoint, a few things are that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, I had a team that was 
remote, but I also had on the other half of my job, a team that was um, on site. There aren't a lot of jobs um, in some companies where you do get managerial experience with that broad of a depth of team, you know, unless you get to be a vice president, right, that you would lead a team of, you know, 10 or 12 people. So I feel like I got a lot of good managerial experience. And then from an in like an individual, I would say, communication standpoint, um, you know, in our company, my reports uh, were given to my boss and also uh, the senior managers, senior, or the executive management team. So I had to really, I think, sharpen up my communication skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get really deep into the data and you're looking at every single reason code, yeah. um, you can yeah. kind of go down a lot of rabbit holes. <laughs> but <laughs> When you're senior executives or the CEO, you don't want to know, well, here's our 157 different reason codes that we have why somebody communicated. You know, you have to try to um, package it in a way that is informative, but also succinct. And that is a skill that I felt like um, I really improved upon Mm -hmm. over the course of my time when I was doing that job. Yeah. Wow. I mean, sounds like you were very lucky to have, a, you know, a very, very rich experience working on both of those teams. Um, and, and, and you really did, from my observation, go head first. It wasn't like, you know, you um, just kind of left it to your outsource company to, to make things happen on the consumer affairs side. I mean, you join an industry group, and I've mentioned it here on this podcast before, called SOCAP, the Society of Consumer Affairs Professionals. Um, and like you going into the reason codes and really understanding that hierarchy, that's a good example. You really got into the nitty gritties of this group and what you could benefit from and what you could contribute to. And, um, you know, that's where we, I had said, we worked a couple terms together in the Philadelphia chapter. I think you were the programs director, which is a hard job. And I was the membership director and we had a lot of fun, but, you know, really um, got a lot done. So wondering, why did you feel it was that, you know, that important to, to go all in into the, the consumer affairs industry piece and, and that particular group? Well, I think because, um, you know, any job worth doing is worth doing well. So I think you really have to understand it and embrace it. And that's, you know, how you get the most out of any role in one's career, like not just to treat it like, um, you know, sort of a passing phase. So I think, you know, I've learned from every single role um, in every company that I've had. Yeah. I will say, I also, not everything was positive. I do remember that I gave a talk at SOCAP and I think I got like pretty average marks on my presentation. And I was thinking, oh, I guess I I thought it was a good presenter. I guess I better like step it up because anyway, so I think that's worthwhile too, right? You learn from things that you do well and you learn from things that you don't do perhaps as well as you thought you should. So. I gave a talk I thought was going to be super interesting and um, everybody else was like, oh, that's nice. You know, polite applause. (laughs) Tough audience. Tough. I know that gang. Tough audience. Oh, my. Um, Well, thank you for your service. 
regardless. <laughs> well, I think about I think about that talk many times when I give a talk in front of a group. I'm like, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> again, such such learning coming out of uh, your consumer affairs stint. So you're back into marketing now at Ashland. Um, so if you were to be looking at consumer relations today with all the advances in technology that are, are in the news and the expansion of channels for consumers that I'm sure you even um, have been using. What's your take on the consumer affairs role today? Is it easier? Is it harder? Is it the same? It's definitely not the same. Okay. Uh, I think my point of you know, sort of my personal experience is that I think it is much easier for consumers because there are so many channels, right? Someone can email and phone. Typically, you know, they're not doing that as much, but using much more, uh, you know, contacting on Twitter or on an app that a company has. So I think then the challenge on the flip side is that while it's easier for the consumer it's probably more of a challenge for consumer affairs because there are so many channels to monitor. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you have so many uh, balls to juggle, right? And then on top of that, um, I think the consumer's expectations are much higher. They expect someone to be available 24 seven in the old days, quote unquote, um, you know, after five o'clock, if you had a problem and you called and nobody you didn't get a response. People said like, oh, that's okay. Everyone went home. Yeah. But now, you know, it could be Saturday um, of a holiday. And if you have an issue, you just want to like, hey, I'm going to tweet out, um, you know, a shout out to somebody and I expect a response. And I will say almost every time when I have done that, I have gotten a very quick response. Um, I appreciate that. But yeah. the Part of the consumer affairs part of my brain is like, oh, that poor person. I'm really sorry that they have to work yeah. on the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So you're very empathetic to the cause, right? I am. Yeah. I am. And I also try to be really uh, polite and professional because oh. I think we all have been on the receiving end of uh, someone who's kind of irate and mm -hmm. that is not pleasant. Uh and you know that, you know, the person on the other end of the phone is just trying to do their job and do their best, right? So. Exactly. I think you and I are simpatico in that it, it's one of the hardest, it's one of the hardest jobs um, to be on that, on that end, having that direct contact with the, with the consumers. We are getting to the end of the podcast, sadly, and wanted to make sure um, I asked if you had a volunteer organization that you'd like to give a shout out to. I would. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School, the Working Dog Center, otherwise known as the Penn Vet Working Dog Center. So this is relatively new. They are starting their 10th year and they do a lot of research about how to optimize training of working dogs. And I am a backup foster sitter for uh, some of the dogs that are in training. If their regular foster family can't watch them for a weekend, then my husband and I will take them for the weekend. Oh my goodness. Love that. I had not heard that. 
Um, well, one, I've been away sort of, I guess, from Philly for a while. And, and, and I hear a lot of volunteer organizations regarding pets from, from our guests, but I've not heard that one yet. And I think that that's, that's fantastic. Love that. Love that. Um, do you have the website? Um, or you'll give it to me before, you know what, you'll give it to me later. And then I'll, I'll include that when I post, when I post your episode, people can go and check out. Yeah. And they give, they give tours. So, um, I think once or twice a week, if somebody wants to find out more and they're in Philadelphia, um, in West Philly on Penn's, well, right off of Penn's campus, you can go and see some of the dogs in action, talk to the trainers, um, and I think what they used to do, I, they probably still do it, is, uh, you know, they even do a little demonstration of the dogs finding someone in a rubble pile because they have a mini rubble pile with, um, you know, like a old school bus and a car. So they have a bunch of volunteers that hide in the rubble pile yeah. and then they get the dogs to come out and, and find the, the survivors, so to speak. Is that what you mean? Oh, excuse me. Is that what you mean by working dogs? That would be an example. Oh, yes. So I should explain okay. that. Right. Yeah. So the working dogs, you know, they are doing things like it could be a police dog. It could be a cadaver dog. It could be a search and rescue live find. Um, it could be bomb detection dog. So and, and you know, just one of many examples of dogs that are working um Primarily, they don't do for this particular center. They don't do as much research and things like, um, you know, like diabetes detection. They've done that a little bit. Uh, hmm. They have done some cancer detection. Hmm. Um, so it's there are many different avenues of you know what would define someone being a working dog. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you for sharing that. And before you go, I just want to check that, you know, you're still set for sticking around to answer your very customized double secret bonus questions. You still good for that? Yes. Okay. And uh, I I should say thank you so much for taking time out of your Saturday to, to chat with me and to our audience. I appreciate it. Well, I'm very happy to talk to you and to your audience, whoever they are. So thank you. (laughs) Wondering how this podcast was recorded? Well, Zencaster is my secret, and it does much more than just record audio and video so I can get the best content to you. Zencaster is aptly named Creator Network, and it's the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators like me. Zencaster matches you with the best podcasts so your budget gets to the right audience and can maximize your advertising campaign budget. Host-read ads, like what I'm doing here, are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique-to-them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai forward slash my curious colleague one. That's zen.ai forward slash my curious colleague. Colleague is C O L L E A G U E and then the number one. And fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, 
please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast. Be sure to share out the hashtag CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise Veneri. Thank you for your time.